Kobe, creator and host of Always Shine Brightly. I named this podcast Always Shine Brightly because I believe that is what we are each here to do. And in times where we feel we're not shining bright, I feel it's still our purpose to work through and shift whatever is dimming our light. In this podcast, I'm speaking with guests who I see as bright lights in the world despite any struggles they may have gone through. The more of us who do this, the better the world becomes. Join us on this shared mission to make the world a brighter place. Welcome to the podcast, Miss Shanna Schultz. Why, thank you, Shanna Covey. <laughs> it's a pleasure to be here. I'm so excited, and we're actually in the same recording studio that we do our Soul Live podcast on, so I'm yeah, happy about that. We're Hi, becoming Nick. all pros here. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so with that Soul Live reference, I will at least say how we know each other, which actually goes way back, way beyond Soul Live, but let's just start there. So... We for the last like six or seven years, we have been working closely together with the nonprofit Soul Live, and Soul Live is a cancer support organization that raises funds and awareness for safe and effective non-toxic cancer treatments or medications, while also promoting general health, happiness, and wellness. I said that in the wrong order. It's wellness and happiness. I think those are wonderful in any order. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and and really, So Live really wouldn't be off the ground and where it is without you being at the helm as our executive director, which is something I'm excited to talk to you about today is your, in my mind, your force of nature. I love that. I love that you're a go-getter. You get things done. You have big visions. And you're also willing to do the grunt work, the detail work. So you've got like both ends of the spectrum working together to get stuff done. <laughs> <laughs> that That is very flattering. And the first thing I thought of when you said that was, really? Because <laughs> <laughs> well, the, I think of my mom who started the organization. I think of, you know, the doctor who inspired it. I think of our board members, you know, who help support us and our volunteers and and all the individuals who are providing this wonderful information that I have the opportunity and blessing to get to share and promote to other people. So I'm kind of a glorified, uh, glorified promoter, but um, only of that that I'm very passionate about. Well, it totally works, and um, we're thankful to have you. Thank you. <laughs> but I just wanted to kind of, for the audience, give like a general overview of some key points of your background. And then I think we'll jump in and uh, just get into the nitty gritty. Okay, great. <laughs> so the, the things that I know about you is that you are wholly homeschooled and grew up on a ranch 60 miles from the nearest town. Uh-huh. And after that, you transitioned to the San Antonio area and eventually started or pretty quickly started uh, Play to Score, a clothing line, and did that for a number of years. And we'll get into the story of, of what you learned there and where that went. And then you decided to go to school for not just four years, but a whole seven years to get your bachelor's and ultimately your law degree. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> <laughs> then you became a lawyer. And it was right about that time, like after finishing passing the bar, that you said, hey, after all this studying and after you know all my energy has been pouring into getting this bar exam done, now I'm embarking on this new career as a in-house counsel for Massage Heights. I'm also going to spend a lot of time running Soul Live. So you have like this whole multiple dual things occurring at once you fill your schedule you fill your entire like you pour your energy into 
accomplishing? <laughs> this has been um, something that I've done my entire life. <laughs> I tend to just put one extra drop in a full cup of water um, with my schedule. And, and uh, you know, there may be times where I wish that I had some more downtime, some time to do nothing. But when those times occur... All I'm thinking about is the next thing, the next thing that I can do to expand or grow um, in life. And so I, I think I've come to terms that that's just how I am. I like to be busy. Yes. And I want to know, like you said, it's been there your whole life. So I'm curious as to when you were a little girl on this ranch, being homeschooled and doing all sorts of ranch things, like what 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 were you thinking about? What was like? I, you've been a dreamer your whole life. Like, what were your dreams? What What was this kind of dialogue going on in your head that is ultimately developing the Shanna we know today who just has so many things going on? Well, first of all, I, I want to mention that I take great pride in being a seventh-generation Texas rancher. And, yes, that's how, how I grew up the first, actually, all the way through my teens. Mm-hmm. Um, we were on a ranch in Loma Alta near the Devil's River in Texas. And we're entrepreneurs. My family... Um, and I, we worked a, a family-owned and operated ranch, and so every day we'd get up and we'd work together as a family. And that entrepreneurial spirit um, very quickly in, in my childhood you know, expanded from ranching to all the other things I wanted to do. I'll give you an example. Um, I, one of my first businesses that were outside of you know, the goats and cattle and horses and things that we, we ran together as a family was um, an art business that I started out in the middle of nowhere. Oh, nice. <laughs> so I would make these little rope horses or I would, um, you know, different forms, usually horse-related, of art, and I would sell them at our local store called Loma Alta Store. Mm-hmm. For those of you who don't know, it's uh, north of Del Rio on 277, kind of in the middle of nowhere. And I would sell these things for 10 or 20 bucks, and uh, that was kind of my first uh, experience in retail. Mm-hmm. And um, from there, I, I expanded my artistic view into fashion design. Mm-hmm. So when I was 15 or 16 years old, I actually started uh, designing clothes. And they were more formal, you know, business attire for women. Mm-hmm. And I uh, had the opportunity to have some made and model in a fashion show here in San Antonio through uh, the Larry Nelson uh, School of Modeling. Well, let me let me just like ask another curious question about that particular time frame. Like, where are where are the influences coming from to be like clothing line, fashion, modeling? I'm on I'm on a ranch, (laughs) sixty miles from the nearest town. Like, where where are these like little drops and seeds coming from? I love diversity, Uh, and I if you look at my life as a whole, there's just such a variety of different things, and I think that makes life really exciting. So I. I would say this primarily comes from my parents. Mm-hmm. I give a lot of credit to them. Um, one, they were they are hardworking entrepreneurial individuals, and they always inspired me and told me that I could do uh, whatever it is I put my heart to. I could become whoever it is that I wanted to become. So there was never a doubt in my mind as a child that I could do and you know be anything in the world. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I'm not really sure how to explain why I have an interest in so many different areas. But while I'm, you know, doing these artistic things, whether I'm sketching clothes or making rope horses, I would also go to the barn and try to make a rocket ship. <laughs> because I was pretty sure that I would be able to find enough tools and pieces and parts to where I could find something that I could fly around the ranch on <laughs> and maybe actually go to another country. And so this is, this is very early on. <laughs> 
Um, but you were thinking about other places. You were thinking about other co- other countries. That's cool. I always wanted to travel, and I'll, I'll tell you this: there was never a regret of being raised so far from town, because a lot of people would say that I was maybe, you know, I missed out on certain things. Uh, I loved growing up on a ranch. There, you know, aside from working together with my family, we had an opportunity to just enjoy nature and to mm-hmm. fish and to swim and to ride horses and make campgrounds and rodeo and all these other things. I loved it. But in the back of my mind, I knew that I wanted to be something um, something magnificent. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't really sure what it was, but I, I knew that it needed to be global mm-hmm. and it needed to make people smile. Um, and I didn't really know how to do that. It was a lot of, a lot of pressure to come up with something that would actually, you know, that I did that would make people smile, but that was, (laughs) I love that you had the framework to think that big and to ask yourself those questions of how, what can, I mean, I can be anything. I can contribute anything. I just love it because my, I'm just jumping in real quick, but my childhood was like super myopic. Like I feel like I was in I mean, I was in like a very a smaller bubble, like just I loved my everyday. I was very present in my everyday, but I wasn't asking myself questions about the future. And if I was or if there was a future, it was kind of like limited to I'm going to go to school. I'm going to get a good degree that's going to lead to lead to a good job. And then I'm just going to live my life. It was like a, kind of like it was small thinking, though, to some people. It might be big thinking to go to college and do those kind of things. But I mean, my small thinking is it wasn't thinking about the bigger picture of the world and how can I contribute or even from a passionate standpoint of what's my passion and what can I contribute? So I just love, love, love that you were asking yourself these questions so early on and where it's led today. And I think one of those big influences is a shared influence of ours, which is your mom. (laughs) She came into my life when I was at 22 at that time of like, whoa, I've completed this vision that I thought was going to equal fulfillment. And then her influence was around those lines of asking these questions. What are you passionate about? Like just really opening up my mind and exposure to so much more. So I think it's so cool that you grew up with that that influence shaping you from such a young age as one of your influences. Yes, I would say that while dad definitely taught me how to be a very tough cowgirl and, you know, I... I call him my, my John Wayne slash Clint Eastwood, um, and, and I, I, love, I love that aspect of my childhood. What mom brought to the table, and she's always been like this herself, is she, she is interested in so many things. You know, she's, always, she's constantly reading, um, constantly researching, whether it's health and wellness, gardening, ranch life. She loves history, but she's always had this really huge picture of the world and and she wants to participate in it. Mm -hmm. And so I really think the broad and diverse side of me comes from uh, mom's influence in that way. And um, yes, absolutely. I'm really grateful for that. And um, that's all I have to say about that. (laughs) (laughs) But I didn't mean to get you off track on what you were saying about like the visions that you had and things like that as a young child. Um, where you're thinking of all, you're thinking entrepreneurially, you're thinking of the world as being bigger than, uh, you know, just big and mm-hmm. sent, and that you can make a difference, you can contribute to it. Or, or were there some of the early questions or more, or was it more like, what's in my heart to do? What am I interested in? Rather that has a bigger impact or not. Like, you know, like the difference between like just being passionate about certain things versus a passion that is a huge purpose service oriented one. Do you see that? You know what I'm saying with the difference? This is actually an area that I struggled in. Um, Not until recently 
uh, did I actually realize what my passion was, what I wanted to do in <laughs> life. And I, that's probably why, why if you look at my past, it's kind of a curvy road to where I went from ranch life to fashion life, law school, uh, cancer industry through the nonprofit, uh, among other things. And it was because I was searching. So I, I actually didn't have a very acute, specific focus in my life. I just knew that I, it was big and that I was put here for a reason. And I think we all are. Mm-hmm. Um, whatever you want to call big is you know very subjective. But we're all definitely put here for a reason. And I... I did struggle, you know, later teens and in my 20s, really trying to understand what is it that I'm trying to do? Because I'll tell you the truth, I I didn't succeed in a lot of things that I tried. And those experiences were actually, in retrospect, they were successful, but not in the way that I expected them Mm -hmm. to be because it pushed me through that next door. And so I just knew that uh, I I wanted to, to to make a mark on this planet but also that I love life and I just wanted to experience it as much as possible. And specifically, traveling has always been, and co- different cultures have always been a very big fascination of mine. So in some of my history, that's kind of what took me around the globe, is just wanting to, to see and do as much as, as possible, in addition to my entrepreneurial drive. I love that. I love that. And something that we were talking about earlier is the... Is, we didn't use this word. It's the subconscious belief, right? And we've talked about this on our first So Live podcast. And you mentioned your particular subconscious belief, which was that I can do anything that I set my mind to. You kind of had like this riverbed of belief that has been guiding you. And sometimes, or as you mentioned in the podcast and have shared with me, you do that with like a no exit, like a, a what is it called? No exit strategy or jump both feet in. Yeah, I yeah. think that's probably the best way to do things energetically is just to be all all in on it. And I just love that. Like this was for so many of us, our subconscious beliefs are the opposite of possibility. And here you are with that riverbed of possibility living in you and guiding you. And but now as you're in your journey, you're learning more about how to consciously adopt mindsets and different things like that. Are there certain like what what would you say you're working on now as something like you need to drop from your mindset versus something that you need to adopt to keep on supporting you in the things you desire to do? That's a really great question. I think it's one that I, I need to contemplate <laughs> oh, sorry. and ask myself. No, I'm going to give you an answer. <laughs> Definitely. Um, I think it's really important that at this point in my life, as much as I love, you know, having juggling a bunch of different things that I, I really focus in. Now's the time to go ahead and 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 put the planning aside and to commit wholeheartedly to the things that are most important in my life. What I mean by that, let me just take a step back. And in the past I have always, you know, had some kind of focus, but I'm I'm always filling my time and my day with just pretty much anything that I find interesting. And sometimes it doesn't really support any you know, future goal or purpose. I think that's totally fine and healthy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and you need that. You don't want to be so structured that you don't get to just, you know, have spontaneous, you know, fun and experiences. But I, I do, now that I've really honed in on what I'm passionate about, I think it's time to actually start learning to say no. Um, something that a lot of us struggle with Mm -hmm. and and leaving more time for physically and mentally for me to really focus on those things. And, and that is the nonprofit. So live, and and I love my law practice as well. 
um, and I love, you know, riding horses and I love <laughs> yoga and let's see here. I love dancing. And, <laughs> you know, there's, there's so many things that I love to do, but I think at this point in my life, if I'm, there's this, this place that I'm going, if I'm going to get there, I need to buckle down and really, you know, narrow my focus <laughs> to get there. I don't know if that answered your question. No, 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 it does. And like, I think that you hit on a big one for people, which is learning how to say no. And where do you think like all the yeses were stemming from? Was it from stemming from the idea like you felt bad to say no or you were just so excited you wanted to say yes or probably some combination of the two? Absolutely both. <laughs> um, I'm I'm a people pleaser. Okay. Uh, that's just something this is something that we've talked talked about on on the solo podcast as well about as a child there was always that that need to feel like I needed to be better mm-hmm. to grow I put a lot of pressure on myself and part of that is good because that gives me the drive but at the same time it, it can be unhealthy mm-hmm. mentally and physically and so I I tend to say yes because I want to I want to help mm-hmm. I want to you know make that person happy or I want to help them accomplish their dreams and goals when maybe I should, you know, save that energy and time uh, to, to help accomplish my own. But it's definitely blended because sometimes I say yes because I don't want to miss out. Mm-hmm. I'm just so, you know, concerned that if I, I'm going to miss out on this experience. And so I try to experience everything and that kind of has me spread across the map a little bit. Mm-hmm. So part of me learning to say no is to know that every experience is amazing. I've had a lot of great ones. There's a lot of great, great ones in the future to come. So I don't necessarily need to do this thing, you know, on the weekend or whatever it may be, or that they will understand and the person who's asking me to do something will actually be better served if I'm just transparent Mm -hmm. and tell them that it's not something that I can do or that I'm interested in doing versus kind of making myself do something and then coming there half-heartedly. Right, right. No, I think that's great because you're getting that alignment from within from like a true a true yes and a true no isn't aligned with what you're really feeling and what your action is. And so many of us can be pressure, like pressured, like self-imposed, pressured by thinking maybe there's only two options. I say yes, I say no, and they feel bad, or I say yes and show up half-heartedly. But there's always this third option to where we get to show up or get to answer that question with a true alignment, which takes like a lot more... But like a lot more um, willingness to maybe do something that feels uncomfortable, which is in the saying no. Right. Uh And um, anyway, going back to like something else that I really admire about you and I've learned some more in these last few years of working so closely together is your capacity for vulnerability. I think that you have a great handle on self introspection and awareness. And even if something is brought to your attention that can maybe be, confronting and not that fun to look at I think that you're just have always shown up so open like oh this is something that you call I wouldn't always call but you would call like a quote-unquote a weakness or you know whatever there's not a nature that I notice of wanting to conceal that I think some people that want to present in a certain way will have an inclination to conceal what could be perceived as vulnerable or not to this image that they may putting themselves out there to be so when I see vulnerability and I do see it in you vulnerability like a real one which is a strength and an observation um, I think that that's awesome and I'm just curious about is that something that's new to you or that's something that's kind of been there for a while uh, what kind of thoughts do you have or how do you 
hone that. That that was inspired from early childhood as well. It's amazing how much of, you know, where I am today come from my childhood. And this is going to sound a a little bit negative, and I'd hate to say that one of my characteristics was (laughs) inspired by negative, but I think it was just a way that I took an experience and, and made it something that I perceive as positive, and hopefully others do too, which was realizing that a lot of people weren't who they said they were or didn't do what they said that they would do. And there was just some personal experiences in my childhood to where people would hold themselves to be a certain person um, and not really be, you know, transparent and every, not that you need to expose every aspect of your life, but there was times where as a child I was very vulnerable and I was asking for help. Like, how do you deal with this? And instead of, you know, being advised on that, I was just told that, oh, you shouldn't you shouldn't be that way or you shouldn't think that Mm. way. And so and I was a really sensitive person Mm -hmm. and I would I would take it to heart that, uh, you know, maybe I'm a bad person or that I, you know, shouldn't be or think a certain way. And as I got older, I realized that, you know, we're we're all human Mm -hmm. (laughs) and, you know, there are definitely some who who are. Uh, you know, whether you define it as moral or ethical or more so than other people. Mm-hmm. But it was really important to me that I could at least show up when people ask me the same question. Mm-hmm. So if they want to talk about something controversial with me, I'm happy to, to share my opinion because I think it's really important if they're trying to learn something to understand, you know, where, where I'm actually coming from. And I'll give you an example of what makes this really difficult today. Uh, especially with social media, mm-hmm. which is something you know I'd have to do deal with growing up on the ranch. <laughs> there was very little distractions out there, even off the ranch. We didn't yeah, have to even do off it. the ranch, <laughs> very little distractions out there except for nature, which I think really was inspiration behind a lot of my my goals. But anyways, going back to social media today, there's this perception that we all do. We all mm-hmm. put on social media, um, and I'm not suggesting that we put when we're angry and mad. Right, and, right. But what you see is the better side of the of, highlights. The yeah. highlights of people. And it, it, it's kind of when you're, when you're going through something difficult and you're looking at those around you, whether it's on social media or, you know, back when, when I was talking to my peers and I'm really struggling with something and it looks like nobody else is struggling with the same thing. That's really discouraging. It puts a big weight on. feels lonely. It does. And, and, it, and it makes you, you know, I've all, I always believed that I could overcome something, but I didn't really know how. I just wanted advice mm-hmm. or motivation or understanding or somebody just to, to listen without judgment. Mm-hmm. And um, so because of that, I think it's really important that f- for me personally, just to be open and transparent about things because you don't really know what the person is going through who's asking you these questions. That's true. And my struggles and my vulnerabilities and weaknesses, you know, versus what I've achieved and all the wonderful blessings that I have in my life may actually encourage, inspire, or inform that person to to keep pushing through. Mm-hmm. And, and just know that we all go through hard times and, uh, you know, it just takes dedication and, and self-love, something I've always always worked on as well um, to get someplace. Well, I appreciate, I I love it. I I mean, it's something I noticed right away when we started working together. It was like, wow, like she just has like a beautiful breath of fresh air vulnerability. Like, cause you are, 
you're so strong and so accomplished in so many different things that sometimes there can be a stereotype with that, that someone, and maybe it's a terrible stereotype on my part. So sorry for all the accomplishers out there. <laughs> but, I think, <laughs> but I just, it was something that I noticed early on and I was like, wow, that's really, really, really cool. And so I appreciate you having that. And I, and I think that you're absolutely right in that. Well, I have a couple things. One is I think it was a beautiful compassion that you picked up on in your learning of this that early on when maybe you didn't receive the supportive feedback or supportive help in working through something. But at a certain point, you started to give that you actually gave the grace of compassion for, oh, their perspective may be tuned in in that way because of some experience that they've had. And that is actually exactly what compassion is and perfect for all of us in our growth journey to let others off the hook and to step back and see that maybe if even if they're coming off in a in a way that doesn't feel good to us or doesn't feel supportive to us or feels uh, critical or you know whatever it might be that the stronger we get within ourselves and I'm sure that's what came with the strength of you learning through those situations is the easier it is is to give grace and compassion away because we are stronger we are like more there's more love so you're not requiring it of the other situation therefore it can just flow from you to the other and it looks like that is something that was a beautiful effect of you working through those situations it's a work in progress (laughs) (laughs) and something else that i've you know quickly noticed over the years of working together and being in meetings and different things like that is you your diplomacy is so beautiful you're so articulate i feel like you're just to bring people into some of the meetings that we have it's a board meeting but you're usually running the i don't know if that sounds good but you're always you're you're leading a meeting let's just say that okay it's a planning meeting you're leading the meeting but like there can be multiple opinions that are being presented and you've always been amazing and so great at holding each opinion with such equality and you probably have like your perception of like no you I see it this way and I think this is a good way and you do it in the best way you're like let's hold each person's opinion like perfectly equally which I think is a great thing and you clearly share what your opinion is too and it's just it's just great and I'm just I think it's another great quality and I'm curious is that something that comes natural or did you have to like work on that (laughs) sounds hard (laughs) I mean not that I'm not diplomatic but I'm it's at the level that you're doing it I guess I hope I'm describing it the best that I can well I I would say that I've always been a a very empathetic person Um, I do care about how other people think and feel but more importantly is I'm generally genuinely interested and how they think and feel. Mm -hmm. And part of that comes from me wanting to always grow and improve myself. And so I know that I don't already hold, you know, today all the experiences to to make certain decisions that I would want to. And so I have the opportunity to, if I have the opportunity to to learn from others, I want to. And so when I form my opinion, it's in this, you know, this little bubble Mm -hmm. of you know, Shanna world, and then we're having a meeting using that example, then I get to learn of other people's opinions that are completely different, Mm -hmm. because their perspective is different. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really important to consider and contemplate those other opinions, because, you know, that may be that missing element that we needed that I just couldn't see in my own, in my own peripheral peripheral (laughs) (laughs) and so um, I and it's not you know sometimes I I don't agree and I know that um, 
there's a f- few of our board members that laugh at me that I have a pretty strong opinion as well. I may listen, but sometimes laugh we... in an uplifting, supportive <laughs> way. <laughs> uh, yes, of course, I'm all, always supported, but I, I I tend to to be a little strong-headed over certain things. But I do always want to hear other opinions because I know that it's the collective experience of us who are working towards a common goal. That are, that's what's going to make it great. That's what's mm-hmm. going to make the idea great. And so I, I push the idea, but it's it's everybody's input that makes it something that is wonderful. Well, I do. I mean, I appreciate it. I think it's great. I think it's a great skill, and especially as a leader and as you know, someone that's orchestrating and conducting meetings and interacting with people and moving through different worlds, or whether it's in that meeting or elsewhere, it's just a great skill to have. And I think it's a beautiful quality that you have. Why, thank you. <laughs> I hope my husband is listening to this. Right, Garrett, Garrett would be the one who's like, shut up! <laughs> He's probably uh, most familiar with my, my hard-headed ways, of course, my immediate family as well, but, um, uh, you know, you guys get to see a little, little easier side of me. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, like, you and Garrett are both, like, strong um, high performers, and you both have your own opinions because he has his own just as strong I'm sure and so it's both that like interesting balance and interesting like recognizing that and the other but then y'all have like a great way of laughing through it I think. He is absolutely my biggest support system and and I mean that genuinely I, I feel very blessed to have found somebody who's willing to put up with my crazy as I call <laughs> it and I, I, I mean that as a compliment to mm-hmm. self I, yeah. I love crazy weird stuff and uh he he supports that he's a little crazy and weird himself too (laughs) and so i i I would say that part of where i i am today is definitely because of of his support and helping me push through the hard times i love that he's awesome and tell well let's just stay on this garrett subject tell us a little bit about like you know me you met him what you were in your 30s you were yes i don't know how old you were um 30 I think he was, yeah. he was still pretty young. I was going to say, like, you know, some of my friends didn't find their ones until their late 30s. So there was like kind of this time of the 20s, early 30s of like, oh, I want to find the one. Yeah. And I didn't know if you kind of had that or, you know, how that was. Honestly, I, at that point in my life, it was right before I turned 32, I, re- I recall now, um, did, did the math. <laughs> I, uh, I had had uh, two long-term relationships and... What I was hoping for in life, you know, in a partner, uh, was I, I, I was only finding fractions of that, not even 50 percent. Mm-hmm. There, You know, I, I have diverse sides of me. So I have the country outdoor tomboy side. Then I have the, you know, theater, f- fancy dress, high heel side. And it was kind of hard to find somebody who understood that balance. And so at the time I met Garrett, I had been single for a couple of years and I I did start contemplating whether there, you know, I had maybe missed my shot. Maybe mm-hmm. I was just so focused on my career or, you know, I, I just didn't know what to expect. But I did meet him my last semester of law school and it was in secured transactions, Professor Cassley's class. <laughs> <laughs> He's, he was sitting across the way in between two beautiful girls um, who I was pretty certain just had to be his sisters or, you know. <laughs> Um, they were actually uh, good friends of, of his and later became good friends of mine. And um, I, I met him by walking up to him while he was talking to one of my classmates and said, uh, classmate, his name's Dante. Hey, Dante, I have uh, the study guide I promised you. And I looked at Garrett, never spoken to him before. And I said, but I don't have anything for you. <laughs> that's, uh, that's, not, says. <laughs> that's not how mom and dad taught me to talk to boys. <laughs> 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 he 
said, well, that's rude. My name is Garrett Schultz. You know, nice to meet you. And uh, he started walking me to my car. We'd see each other twice a week at, at class um, every day after that. And um, yeah, we've been, uh, as of November the, the 6th, we'll have been married for four years. Aww. And we dated three years prior to that. So we've been together for a while. And it's been, a, it's been an adventure in the best way. Oh, and it's just beautiful to see y'all as a couple. Like, you two are just, like, fit like a glove. It's just, I don't know, it's awesome. I love him, I love you, and I love that y'all are happy. <laughs> and something really fun and very cool that you do annually, starting from your wedding to each year after that on your anniversary, is you perform the Tell Us. Okay. So, <laughs> and tell us. <laughs> we are both, you know, spotlight hogs. We like to be center of attention. We, we fit well together in that way. And so at our wedding, we had um, a choreographed dance done for us where we surprised our wedding attendees, uh, attendants with this the surprise dance where long tutu gown rips off and it's like <laughs> dancing with the star outfit under and, you know, just all kinds of theatrics and drama and after we did that we put so much work into it for the wedding we decided that hey let's uh, you know really let this be an investment and let's do it every year for our anniversary so each year for our anniversary we travel somewhere and we record we dance and record our dance in whatever that destination spot is so i don't know how long we're going to be able to hold this up there's a <laughs> there's a backflip and so i'm hoping i'm still doing it when i'm 80 That's but awesome. the idea is just uh you know keep the dance going each year I love it. It's always so fun to see when you post it on social media. And I got to see it on the wedding night in person. So that was fun, too. Thank you. We're, and this year it might be in Napa Valley? or So we're taking an RV this year. And I've, um, I'm working really hard to make it spontaneous, not to plan every waking moment because I don't want to miss out on any experiences. <laughs> uh, so this year we're just headed... We're starting in the Sedona uh, Grand Canyon area. We at least have our starting destination. And I don't know where we're going to go from there. So I'm excited. And you have like two weeks, right? Yes. Yes. We're taking the dogs, taking work. Um, I know that's not how you're supposed to vacation, but in order for us to be gone that long, we need to, to, to take a little work with us to stay on top of things. But I feel really blessed to have that opportunity to spend cozy time with, with Garrett and the pups and some National State Park. Oh, that's awesome. It's going to be so much fun. And, and there's no supposed to. You just write your own rules. If you need your laptop there, you need your laptop there. Okay. <laughs> Release the pressure. Release the pressure. I, by the way, I really like affirmation. It works very well on me. <laughs> very good. Very good. Oh, that's cool. That's cool that you know that too. Like, um, yeah, I like that. Thank you. Yeah, I can affirm you. <laughs> that's actually my favorite part of doing this podcast as an interview style is I get to affirm and lift up the person right in front of me because I'm like, well, of course, they're so inspiring to me. And that's why I want them on the podcast. And that's why I want to showcase them and highlight them. And you're just a gem in that way. So it's so easy to do. <laughs> I'm glowing. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> One of the ways that I see like this journey of and. I use spiritual jargon, but this journey of awakening is I really believe that though we don't like catalysts or challenges, I really feel like they're there to shape us and to turn us back inward. And, and how I see things is like every challenge teaches you how to become more whole from within. So if so, what I'm curious about are some of the catalysts or challenges in your life that looking back on them in hindsight, you can see what they're teaching you or maybe they are teaching you. So you could like, maybe there's some from your formative years or your 20s and 30s or any that stick out that um, 
that have been serving you in your own inner growth? Yeah, and I think if you don't mind, I'm going to kind of just start in order of, mm-hmm. of how the transition occurred. And initially there was a pull, but a lot of times there's been a push when mm-hmm. I when I do make a transition. So when leaving the ranch life, that was more of a of a of a pull. Like I was drawn towards wanting to see the world and be this big fashion designer and you know do all these things I dreamt about being on the ranch not to say that I didn't love the ranch life as well I just wanted all these experiences so there was a pull there and from there I went into the the clothing line that you mentioned earlier called play to score sports gear and talk about jumping in with both feet bought a one-way ticket to the Philippines had an opportunity (laughs) to go there and start a manufacturer of a sports clothing line and the reason that I chose sports clothing line because that was just you know the, the the network that I had I didn't necessarily have high-end dress, right. you know, people that I could sell to, but I was in the sports, so I'd, you know, gotten involved in the sports world, and so that was a good niche for me. And I, I did play to score sports gear and, and actually ended up, you know, coming back from the Philippines about four and a half months later and opening a store off of Blanco and uh, Fortin. Mm-hmm. And, you know, si- signed a lease, another jumping in with both feet without really knowing what I was doing. And, and did that for like five or six years. And there was definitely a, a push from there. Mm-hmm. There was a point in my life because, you know, in the sports world, I was uh, going to a lot of clubs, going out. There's a lot of bling bling. Mm-hmm. You know, there was this perception that I was really trying to live up to that wasn't natural for me coming mm-hmm. from the ranch. But mm-hmm. I, I loved it because mm-hmm. it was fun and unique. And I, I found myself just, you know... I guess spiritually, emotionally exhausted. I wasn't having fun. It wasn't what I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. And there would be times where my store, so that it could have electricity, I would go without electricity for, you know, five or six days. Mm-hmm. Um, so financially, there was definitely a struggle there. And then the friends that were around us, because you know, I was trying to to be a big baller and <laughs> <laughs> VIP section. Well, you, you did and, have a voicemail from Snoop Dogg, Snoop Dogg once, <laughs> and, and I take a lot of pride in that. I do, and and just just to throw this out there, I may or may not have. You know, got to dance on stage with him a couple of times. So that, <laughs> oh, a that, couple. <laughs> uh, that was that was pretty awesome. You were baller. <laughs> <laughs> it was just I, I loved the hip hop industry and the sports mm-hmm. industry and the sports industry. All that was really intertwined, mm-hmm. and there was this. It was like this shiny object that was a really you know drawing me in. But when I got there, there was nothing for me personally that was fulfilling about it. I realized that. I didn't really have a lot of real friends. Mm. They were there because I knew certain people. Right. Or because I had certain access. You know, all these things that I were doing, I was attracting the wrong kind of people. Mm -hmm. And so for me, and it was in, I call it my quarter life crisis. Mm -hmm. Good old, what, 25? (laughs) I was 25. (laughs) And I... I just realized, and when I make a decision, it's, it's, you know, usually jumping in with both feet, all or nothing, that I was done. Mm-hmm. I had to do something else. And I had this clock that was ticking, you know, oh, I'm, oh my goodness, I'm so old, I'm <laughs> 25, and I haven't, you know, found out what I want to do. Right. And so I actually, you know, stepped away from the business. I quit drinking. Mm-hmm. I went back to school. Didn't know what I wanted to do with my degree. And I say I went back to school. I I had done like a, a semester initially, you know, right out of high school, which was, as you said earlier, I was 100% homeschooled. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did one semester at Blinn College, and I went to UTSA, so I guess that's two semesters total. And then I had stepped away to run this clothing line. So 
because I didn't know what to do, I'm like, I don't want to let any more time pass without at least investing in myself. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go to school until I figure out what I want to do. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I also, just like any you know, life crisis, I got rid of my SUV and got a little two-seater convertible Pontiac <laughs> Solstice and um, pretty much got rid of all but three friends wow. um, and, and just literally flipped a light switch and made a change mm-hmm. because I needed something drastic. And it's it's funny because if I would ever thought at that time about going to school for seven years, <laughs> I probably wouldn't have made the commitment. Right. But seven years pass, and you know there's a lot going on during that time. It's not as though I'm just just sitting in school. Um, and I, I I I come out the other end. I had decided you know uh, partway through undergrad to go to law school, and just went straight into law school and knocked that out. And one, as I mentioned earlier, that's when I met Garrett. Mm-hmm. So my, my life focus as far as a family and, and stability uh, really uh, started taking place at that time. But um, I also knew that as much as I, I wanted to really utilize my investment in my education and in my legal practice, I had been missing my entrepreneurial side. Mm-hmm. As I mentioned, I was you know a rancher, had all these little businesses as a child. I had my clothing line. I'd been a student for these years and, you know, been doing things here and there. And now I had this license and I needed to go get a regular job. And that was terrifying. Mm -hmm. And so literally at the same time that I finished law school, I uh, approached mom about the nonprofit organization she had started, So Live, Mm -hmm. and asked her what I could do to help because I needed that entrepreneurial outlet for me. Mm -hmm. And so I... I don't know if you call that a, a pull or a push, but I felt that transitioning, that transition happening again. And it was the most unexpected direction because our primary mission, as you mentioned earlier, is raising awareness for, you know, effective non-toxic cancer treatments. I've never had cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, we've all, you know, known somebody who's had cancer. Unfortunately, you know, we've all been touched by it to some extent. But that wasn't my whole childhood dream growing up that right. I wanted to, you know, help conquer cancer. I wanted to do something great. I just didn't know what it was. And so when I, I you know, approached mom about helping her, she's like, oh, absolutely. You know, mm-hmm. what, you, what do you want to do? You want to throw an event? What, you know, let's, let's see how we can make this work. And so I actually started practicing law and running solo at the same time (laughs) (laughs) because I needed that balance. You know, here's the stable. uh, My first time ever, I had a salary Mm -hmm. and benefits, (laughs) which was really cool. But on the other end, I I had a place to really plan and go back into the entertainment lifestyle that had been in for a while and throw events and, and parties and and share information. And what I started realizing through So Live is I've, I've wanted to help people. This is helping people. And this is actually where I'm supposed to be. Nice. And that's that about that time. And I would say it's probably about two or three years ago. It hit me that this is my life purpose. I truly want to take So Live to a full-time time operational organization and run it full-time. And, and we've expanded into health and wellness. And it allows me to to, you know utilize my entrepreneurial side, my entertainment side, but more importantly, unlike my clothing line and some of the other businesses I did, 
I'm focused on other people. Mm -hmm. And that suits me. Nice. Uh, It makes me feel good about my my time and effort. So when I'm beating my head against the wall, I actually have a justification for that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's funny. It's not so (laughs) self-inflicted. It's like, wait, I'm doing this for others. No, but I think that's beautiful. But it's for me, too. I mean, obviously, there's a... There's a selfishness about it, and I don't mean that in a bad right. way. It makes, you know, we want to do things that make ourselves feel good. A lot mm-hmm. of times when we buy a gift, uh, we're doing it because it's what we want to do. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it, there's still a, a bit Giving of selfishness. Giving feels good. It does. <laughs> it does. And so I, I've come to that point after, you know, kind of being pulled from the ranch life and pushed from the hip-hop and fashion world, sports world, and, and then there was this weird seven-year school period to now being pulled into, um, I, I still, of course, have my legal practice, but uh, helping to conquer cancer. Mm-hmm. I, it, it's just all coming together. And all those little zigzaggy paths that I took to get here are were necessary. Oh, I agree. I agree. I think that like the world's conditioning or culture teaches us that life is very linear, but I, and so it's kind of like radical to do these zigzag non-linear routes. But I think those of us who choose to do that, which my life has been very zigzaggy too, I think it often is inspired by those inner questions of like, what am I here to do? What am I here to contribute? And you're just not willing to let go of that thread of inquiry that keeps on incrementally putting us into that alignment which like you said yours is through soul live it's a purpose it's serving others and I really encourage anyone out there is just like let that thread of questioning guide you let your be willing to make these changes that like you're such an example of in these categorical decisions to say bye-bye to that and yes to this I think that it doesn't have to be that way, but it can be that way. And as long as we're asking these questions, we're going to keep on coming into alignment with our soul, with our soul blueprint, and do what we're here to do. And those are my words, of course, a phrasing that's comfortable with what my jargon is. But um, but yeah, so I think it's been incredible. Your journey is incredible. And I think going back to how you are saying earlier about learning what to say yes to, what to say no to, it's all tying into being clear on what you're here to do and what your highest priorities are. And you're just going to keep taking it forward or we're going to keep on doing what we can to to create awareness around Soul Live and what we stand for and what our mission is. But I just want to thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Miss Shanna Schultz. I think that you're an incredible soul. I'm so glad that the last six or seven years have brought us, brought us, brought us, <laughs> I like <it>. brought us <laughs> into such closer working relationship and friendship. And I'm just looking forward to just continuing in that way going forward. I'm looking forward to just what continues to pour out of you and pour into the world. And again, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. We are the love. We are the love we give. The music on the podcast is a song I fell in love with called We Are the Love We Give by Imaginary Future. It's available everywhere music is sold.